0: This is Simply Faith 3, Part 3. This is my first series. If you haven't been here for the past weeks, I want to encourage you to go back and to listen to those podcasts. At least the last two. Because in order to really understand what I'm getting to today, you need to go back and and you need to touch on that. You You need to listen to that. But really, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the past four, back when I was talking about living the satisfied life. Because all of these messages, it's so cool how God put this together. I, you know, you know I, I don't do series because I earnestly seek God for my messages on a weekly basis. And, and, and these, even though this, God has turned this into a series, it didn't start out that way. It started out, God said, preach this, and then I want you to preach this, which was the, the, the message on the satisfied life, your God-given dreams. And then God, he just brought it all together. And I'm like, God, you're awesome. It's so cool the way you do this. But about four weeks ago, I preached on the satisfied life. We all want to live the satisfied life. And very simply put, that God has given you dreams, those those desires in your heart for you to pursue, for you to go after. We all have those. God's given you those, and they line up with the will of God and the plan that He has for you. He's given you those dreams and those desires. He's put those in you because, number one, He loves you. Now, he loves you so much that he not only sent his son to take a horrible death for you, but he loves you so much that, and he saw the value in you so much that he gave you a purpose. He gave you a, job, a call. And then, and then not only that, he, he, made, he said, I want, I want you to have a call in your life to do something for me, but I want you to enjoy it. So he puts these desires in your heart so that you go after it and, hey, you have fun doing it. It's not always easy, but you, you're, you understand it. it keeps you enjoying life. And that's why he put those in you. And then, you know, after that, I followed that up with a message on, on the fact, I showed you scripturally that, that you have a call in your life. We all have a call, and it's time, guys, for us to pick up that call whatever that may be, you just look at what's happening in this world. So many ministers are claiming that we're in the end times, and I kind of agree with that. When you look at what prophetically is coming to pass and what's happening, the things that's happening in this very world, yes, we're very close. All right, we're very close. Now, I don't say that to scare you, but it's just simply true where we are. It's time to pick up the call. It is. It really is. But the biggest problem is people don't pick up that call. They don't pick it up. For whatever reason, they're, they're either living this life in fear because, you know, sometimes when, you, when God put a vision or a dream in your heart to go to Uganda and be a missionary, you start thinking money, you start thinking that's hard, it's Ebola, dangerous, you know, all of these things, all right? All these things start coming through your mind. So, so many people stay in fear and they never choose to step out and pursue what God's got for them, all right? And they, don't do, and, and they stay in that fear simply because they don't understand faith. And that's why we're talking about faith. And when I, was earnest, when I was seeking God and in prayer, he was very clear. He said, you've got a great foundation in your people. He said, I want you to teach them faith. He said, I want you to break it down. Break it down as simple as you can and uh, show them the principles of faith so that they can learn to live by it and apply it to their lives to fulfill the will that I have for them. Because, I mean, you know, God's got something for you to do, right? And you're only going to accomplish that if you have faith in God and learn how to apply it. So that's where we are. And, and really quick, we, we saw that in Scripture three times we're told that we are to live by faith. And we determined that any time you see anything repeated in Scripture is what? It's important. Okay, so we're the just, we're going to live by faith. Faith in what? Not faith in your job. We all have faith in our job. Those that have jobs, they know that you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but you, you have faith that every Friday there's going to be a check there, right? So we use the principle anyway, but God wants you to have faith in Him, all right? And there's always the magical question, well, how much faith does it take? And we determine that uh, Romans twelve three. we all have the same measure of faith. We all have faith, okay? You've got faith, so it's not necessarily a faith issue, but and then we determine on 3 John verse 2 that God wants the best for you, right? You've got to understand that. Third John verse 2 says he wants you to prosper and to be in health even as thy soul prospers, All right? You've got to get a hold of that. You've got to get a hold of that because that's written to you, to the believer. That's you. God wants the best for you. And so And then ultimately, the last part of that scripture, we saw that it's not a faith problem, amount of faith. It's a thinking problem, right? It's a thinking problem. Whenever you're going to take a step of faith and do something where you don't have all of the answers or you can't see the solution or you can't see the way but God's telling you to go this way, when you go to take that step, the enemy is right there what he's telling you you can't do this you can't accomplish this you're not you are not strong enough telling you all of the negative things to why you can't do what God's leading you to do right so listen it's not a faith problem it's not a matter of having more faith it's a thinking problem we got to get our thinking right our thinking our believing right our thinking right we got to learn to see ourselves as God sees us like what Stephen was talking about and then we went on to determine that in Mark eleven twenty through twenty-three, that it wasn't faith that moved the mountain, it was the words out of your mouth. Right? Eleven, I'm gonna read that. Eleven twenty-two. It says, and Jesus answered, saying unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever, that's you, shall say unto this mountain, the mountain is your situation or problem. Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, believe, thinking, thinking, believe. We've got to get our thinking right. Shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you that what things soever ye desire when you pray, believe, there it is again, that you receive them and you shall have them. So it's a thinking problem, okay? But ultimately it's not a faith issue, it's the words of your mouth speaking the word of God over your situation and your struggles in your life, right? That's what moves the mountain. And then we determine in Mark 4.14 where Jesus is equating the scripture with the seed. Those of you know, Mark 4 is the parable of the sower and the reaper, right? Verse 14 says, the sower sows the word. Jesus is, he's equating the two. So we determine that by that, when he's making them equal, so God's word is God's seed, okay? Now, so, and we talked about that. I hope you guys have been doing some gardening this week, planting some seed, right? So your only way you're going to see a harvest in your life is you've got to be planting some seed, amen? So... How do you plant seed? We determined you plant the seed by speaking the word of God over your situation. All right, I gave you an example of how that works. You know, pain comes in your body, this, that, and other, whatever. You stand on 3 John. God, your word says, you want me to prosper and be in health? This pain has no problem, no place in my body. I command it to leave. I walk in perfect health as you want me to, Father. I just planted the seed. Now, I mean, you know, when you plant a seed, it doesn't instantly reap a harvest. It takes time. Sometimes it does happen instantly. Sometimes it doesn't. So you got to water it. Now, how do you water that seed? Well, the next day when you get up, you get up before you put your feet on the ground, you just start declaring right there, in Jesus' name, by faith, I'm going to walk in perfect healing. This pain has no place in my body, and I'm going to cast it out, and I'm watering the seed. You walk out and you go in the office. Somebody asks, how are you feeling today? Well, naturally on the inside, you don't feel real good. Maybe your shoulder's hurting, but that doesn't come out of your mouth. What comes out of your mouth is, I am walking in perfect health. I'm walking in peace in Jesus' mighty name. words of faith, you're speaking words of faith. And you continue to do that until the harvest comes. Okay? The harvest comes. It's very, very important. Now, so we're talking about faith. Talking about faith. Let's look at Romans 4 let's get into what we're going to do today. Uh, Romans 4, 19. All right. 19 through 21. And now, for the sake of time, I'm going to just paraphrase this story. What's happening here? Those of you know, God is working with Abraham here to establish his covenant. In a nutshell, that's what's going on here. And what I want you to see is, What did God promise Abraham when he was 75 years old? He promised him a son. Okay, so here's Abraham. He's 75, and Sarah's 65 in the natural. Think about it now. You've got to remember, these are just people in the Bible. Imagine what Abraham's thinking. He's looking at himself thinking, what? You know, and he's looking at Sarah thinking, I mean, really, I mean, we're well past our prime. We're not going to have a child. It's not going to, in his natural, if he, understand, if he stayed in his natural thinking, he would have determined, we're not going to have a child, right? But it's interesting, verse 19 tells us, right here, it says, that Abraham, it says, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. All right, so, just in the natural, it looked like we were done and they were not going to have a child, right? But it was Abraham's faith that allowed him to see himself as God saw him. It goes back to what Stephen was talking about. We have to learn to see ourselves like God sees us. And this is the challenge that God has with everybody, okay, with everybody, is to get us to simply see us just like God sees us. Right? I mean, think about it. If Abraham had never got past what he could see with his natural eyes, if he never got past that, he would not have accomplished what God called him to do, would he? Woo! think about that. And I think that's where so many people are when it goes to pursuing what they want to do in their, their God-given dreams. They, they can see that w- what they want to do, but they just see the difficulties and the trouble. And the tr- They can only see the things in the natural. They can't see that God's calling them to do it. But faith sees the answer. Your faith inside you, believing that God is going to provide for you. But God is going to make a way. God sees the answer, right? And you've got to remember, faith is it's not just a matter of saying. You know, it it is speaking the word, but faith is a matter of seeing. And and let me illustrate it like this. Whenever I go to a hospital visit, some of you that do pastoral care, you can relate to this, this. I can't go immediately in the room and just start demanding, by faith they're healed. I have to see where this person is that's in this hospital bed. Because you understand, if they can't believe for a miracle, I can't connect my faith with them and pray for that. So i got to understand where they are. If if I walk in that room and they're they're, they're all, you know, some people are just ready. And they're just like, well, Pastor, just pray for me to have peace in this pain. That's what I have to connect with. That's what I have to pray with. But then on the other hand, if I walk in and bless God, this person's surrounded by the family and all that, and they see me walk in, they say, all right, Pastor, get in here. This pain, this, this sickness has nothing to do with my body. Come on, get over it. Connect your faith with me. I need a miracle. I'm believing by faith that I'm going to get a miracle. Let's pray for some healing. Let's see some healing. Now, I can connect with that. And I can come in and pray for them. You see, a person like that can see themselves healed. Whenever I do a healing line, I always ask somebody. And I learned this from Brother Hagin. You have I asked them, can you see yourself healed? Because if you can't see it in your mind, it's never going to manifest in the natural. It's not going to do it. It's not going to happen. So, it's, so faith is a, it's a see. You've got to be able to see it. Faith sees the answer even when it hasn't manifested. Amen. So talking about seeing, we've got to learn to see ourselves Just as God sees us. I've been talking about this since we started the church. But this is so very, very important. I mean, think about who you are. I just told you what God did for you. And God loves you so much that he did all of that. Even though you're quirky and you're the way that you are, myself included, all right, but God loves you anyway. We've got to learn to see ourselves. Ephesians 2.6. Seated in heavenly places. At the right hand of the Father with Jesus Christ. Lord, we, I mean, that's pretty amazing right there, right? But see, you've got to be able to see yourself. And what's really cool is we've got to be able to see ourselves seated there in authority. A place of authority with dominion. Now see, that, that authority and that dominion used to belong to Adam. Right back in the garden, Adam he had dominion over everything. But what happened? Adam created high treason, right? And then all of that went over to the devil. But God says, "No, it's not going to stop there because I'm going to send somebody that's going to pay the price, that's going to pay the sacrifice. Glory to God and restore all of that back to us. Glory to God. That's what Jesus did." See, you've got to understand that and see this. When you really get a revelation of this, this will give you that boldness that you need to fight through whatever that happens in your life. And we all have some mess in our lives at times, and we need to fight through it. Ask Ben and Megan. Thank God they just got in their house this week, and we are so happy for them. I mean, they've been through some mess this year. They've almost lost their lives and basically lost everything. And now, look, they're on the, they're on the other side now, fighting through it. Seeing a harvest, seeing a harvest, glory to God. But listen, it's been restored back to us. Learn to see yourself. We we gotta allow the Spirit of God to come in our lives. All right, now, now not, not not just come in our lives, but have His way in our lives, and allow Him to to help us to see ourselves just as God sees us. Because when God sees you, He doesn't see any fault. And when he looks at me, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You know? Because I got some issues, so I mean, everybody does. Nobody's perfect. And if you think you are, we'll talk later. It's not, it's not happening, all right? But listen, you got, you got to allow the Spirit to just I mean, give the Spirit free will in your life. And just accept it by faith. Accept it by faith. Now, we're talking about faith. But understand, it was Abraham's faith that allowed him to see what he couldn't see. What's your, what about your faith? What about your faith? And you hear me say it all the time, and I'll never say it. Stop. Is God created you for a purpose? You've got to learn to see the value in yourself because that purpose is so important that you're the only one that can do it. In your goofy, quirkiness ways, you're the only one that can do it. Only one. Now, God sees that value. God says there's potential in you. And I agree with him. I agree with him 100%. But you've got to learn to see that. Learn to see that. Now, let me show you something. Second Peter. Second Peter verses three through five. Oh, this is good, guys. This is good. Stay awake with me because you're gonna love this. All right. Second Peter it's telling us right here, it says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now this is a man, this is, you hear me talk about promises of God? This is telling us right there. God has given us exceeding great and precious promises. And it's by these promises that we become partakers of God's nature. Okay? And and through all of these promises, that's how we escape all the chaos and the craziness of this world. So those promises are pretty important. So you wonder why I've been, been harping on you guys to study your Bible, learn the promises of God, read them. Read, 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 because you need to know them. They're pretty important, guys. They're very, very, very important. Now, I'm, for the sake of time, I'm not, not going to get too far into this, but if you break that word promise down right there, and, and you study that out, you know, most of us just think of a word promise as, as a future, as future something, something that's going to happen. But if you, you break that down and study that out, it's almost like that promise there is like a legal term, like a contract, like something you can stand on, Okay? And what that tells me right there, and this is so, when I got a revelation, this is so cool. We don't view the promises of God as Abraham views them. No, because see, Abraham was, he was looking ahead, guys. He was looking ahead for those promises to be fulfilled. When we look at the promises of God, what do we see? We see Jesus. And when we see Jesus, we understand because He paid the price. Understand, when He paid the price, everything was paid for. We were put in right standing. The authority and dominion came back to us. Glory to God. We see that and we understand that the promises of God in the Word right here in front of Him, every one of them is done. It's done. It's done, folks. It's done. You know, every promise that's in God's Word has already been fulfilled. Think of it like a bank. They're all in the bank. It's up to us to withdraw them, to get them out and apply them in our lives. See, people don't understand this. We've got to learn how to get them out, all right? And understand this. The fact that Jesus came and paid that sacrifice, Satan himself will never be able to change that. Watch this now. This is so important. He cannot change the fact because that sacrifice and that blood that was shed. There had to be blood shed and Jesus shed it. Alright? The devil can't change that. But what he can do is deceive. He's the master deceiver. And he's been doing it a long time. And deceive you and convince you that these promises are not true. Convince you that these promises are not for today. Guys, guys, the promises are for you. Don't be deceived. Don't give the devil place in your life, guys. Don't do it. Remember, it's not a faith problem. It's a thinking problem. You give Satan a place in your life when you allow him to come into your thought lights and control what you do. Don't give him place. Don't 2 Corinthians... Ten, four through five, I love this scripture. It says, "For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ." Guys, keep those thoughts under control. When the enemy's right there throwing in some stuff, some negativity, or trying to convince you to fall into something, you don't take those thoughts captive and you cast them out. You get them out of there. You don't allow them to take place. And don't ever play with one and let it just sit up there. I had a friend of mine. I won't call his name. I hope he's not watching this. We went through Bible college together. But he, he worked in a predominantly ladies' field in a restaurant, and he was the only male server. And he was quite handsome, all right? And um, he kept coming to school and he'd tell us about this, that, and other because he worked, he, he worked around just some people that were living in the world. And they were constantly, uh, constantly after him. Let's just put it that way, comments and this, that, and other. And, you know, he, he did good standing up to that for a while. But in due time, he gave in. Now, he's married. He gave in, had an affair. Long story short, it, made, it was a mess, made a mess. And, and we talked about it later, and I said, what happened? He said, well, you know, those thoughts just kept coming. Man, she's beautiful. Man, she's beautiful. Look at her. She's beautiful. Gosh, she's beautiful. It just, it just stayed there. He left it there. I said, why didn't, you take, why didn't you get rid of it? Why didn't you take control over that and cast that out? Well, I just let it sit there because she really was beautiful. It cost him his family. It cost him, opening his ministry, he's not even in ministry today. Huh? Really sad. But see, when those thoughts come, you don't let them sit up there. All right? You don't let them sit. You get them out of there, guys. If it's something, that's how, the, that's how the enemy deceives and tries to pull you into something that you don't need to be a part of. All right? He gets you thinking about it. He gets you, if he can get you thinking, if he can keep you thinking about it, sooner or later, he's going to pull you in, and he's going to be sitting there. I got you, I got you, I got you. Amen. Now listen. We're talking about understanding who you are. When you fully understand who you are and get a revelation, a real revelation of who you are, the devil's power stops in your life. He has no place unless you give it to him, right? And Know this, knowing who you are changes everything. I mean, it gives you a boldness you can't explain. I, you know, everybody, those of you who have been to my house, you know I've got a little Yorkie. It's actually Natalie's dog, but I kind of adopted her from Natalie. She has visitation with Natalie once a month, but that's okay. (laughs) But Tilly is, she's my dog. Well, not my dog, but she sleeps with me at night. She's got a little blanket I put by my pillow, and she's she's only this big, you know. She sleeps there in the middle of the night. She may be laying across my chest or on my head or whatever if she's cold, you know. But she's the queen. She gets whatever she wants. Whatever she wants, I kind of give it to her, and I'm kind of guilty of that. But because of that, she knows she's the queen. And she walks around that house just like, it's mine. It's mine. And she ain't big as them. I could just kick her halfway across Auburn if I wanted to. She's just tiny, precious though. But she has a boldness because she knows, hey, I'm the queen. And I'll tell you this. about: woman was about a year or so ago. She was so strong that we let her out one night and she tried to take on a pack of coyotes, you know. Thank God she got away from them in a few stitches and she was good to go. I don't even know if we had to have stitches on her, but she was chewed up. But but the the boldness is what I want you to talk about because she understands who she is. This is my house. And we have another dog. He's a a a peanut. He's a chihuahua. And when peanut tries to get in and get some scratching and she's like, no, that's my scratching. Well, she steps up. Get back. You know, keep him in place. Listen, understanding who you are means everything. It may... I mean, Satan's power comes to an end when you in your life when you find out who you are. I mean, think about Romans eight seventeen. I put this down. It says, "If children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ." Oh, that's so cool. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also be glorified together. Am I the only one that can just read scripture and just get excited about it? Come on, I love it. You know, it's so cool. And God shows me so many different things. But listen, what He's talking about here is we're joint heirs. Everybody say, "I'm a believer." And I'm a joint heir heir. with Christ. I mean, think about what that means. A joint heir. That means you're equal heir with Jesus. What belongs to Jesus belongs to you. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's... (laughs) I get excited. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) All right. we're (laughs) We're talking about faith. Okay. We're talking about faith and how to understand faith and the principles you know, faith is a, learning to live a lifestyle of faith. It takes some time. You know, it took us many years to develop this. So guys, don't don't feel like you got to learn this overnight. But learn to apply it. I remember when I first learned, when I was start, first started applying this. I we were had not been married too long, and and I think I may have shared this story at some point, but you get to hear it again. But we, but. I had just got into the things of God. How I many you know when you're born, just born again, kind of you're, you're hungry, you know, and I was hungry and excited. So I was learning the faith principle. I didn't understand it, and, and I, I was delivering to a really big warehouse, Russell Athletics in Alexander City, and I used to have a delivery route, and like Stephen does, and you know, I was hot. It was 90-something degrees, and I wanted something to drink, and I didn't have any change. I didn't have any money. Well, I had some, but I didn't have enough. I had enough to get a drink out of the drink machine in the break room, but I was short a nickel. And I said, all right, God, I'm hot and I'm tired and just aggravated. Somebody's going to give me a nickel by faith before I, and now this, this warehouse is massive. Literally, it's about five minutes to walk to the break room. It's that big. Those of you from Alexander City, you know what I'm talking about. So I started headed to the break room, and I was just bold and determined. I'm getting that nickel. I'm on a nickel. I'm getting my Coke. I'm hot. I'm thirsty. God, you want me to prosper and be in health? Get me something to drink. But, so I'm headed to the break room. And I, I don't have my nickel when I get to the break room. So I walk in. I'm looking at the drink machine. Now I'm starting to think maybe I need to help God out. Maybe I should have walked a little slower, you know, this, that, and the other. But no, I took those thoughts. No, I'm not. I'm getting my nickel. I'm declaring by faith, I'm God. You want the best for me. I'm getting my nickel. And I walked up to that drink machine. Still no nickel. There was two guys sitting there and eating their lunch and this, that, and the other. So I stuck my finger in the change holder, and there was my nickel right there. And I've heard everybody say, oh, you know, somebody just left that. Behind. No, I don't care what you say. God left that nickel there. That nickel was there for me. I was so excited. I never enjoyed a Mountain Dew so much in my life. And those guys sitting in that break room was like, this guy's a little kooky, isn't he? That's okay. I was learning something. I was learning the principles of faith and how to apply them to my life. Now, does that mean you're ever going to miss it? Yeah, sometimes you're going to miss it. I've missed it, taking a step and say, like, ooh, that wasn't God. But listen, you learn from that. That's how you learn His voice. If you never take a step, you'll never know if it's right or wrong. So you've got to, you, if you never take a step of faith, you're never going to get out of the rut you're in. You're always going to stay there. you got to, that's why I want you to be bold and be a fighter and go after it. And if you mess up, that's okay. All right, that's okay. I know not to do that, this, thing, You know, I know what to do next time. And learn from it and go from there. Now, now, let me show you something else. Oh my goodness, I'm against the time. Mm, Alright, I'm gonna get this in, guys. Alright, I'm, I'm not gonna keep you. I know y'all are wanting to get to Cracker Barrel. Alright, everybody always asks the magic subject, what is faith? So we're gonna look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. Alright, I'm gonna try not to go too fast here. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us what faith is. It says Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Whose hope? Is it God's hope? No, it's your hope. Your hope. Listen, guys, hope is a very, very, very important thing, it's a good thing. Without hope, faith has nothing to give you substance for. You've thought about that? Hope, what are you hoping for? Hmm? Never lose hope. Remember, the things of this world are always going to try to rob hope from you. The things of this world are always going to contradict faith and hope. Why? Because we live in a sin filled world. We live in a world full of Satan, and he wants to deceive everybody. To go against God. God stands for faith and hope. Satan stands for doubt, destruction, and unbelief. Everything that contradicts faith and hope. Listen, don't ever, ever, ever give up on hope. Never. Never give up on hope. See, hope is what encourages you to get up. Encourages you to go after those dreams. Encourages you to go after those desires. See, hope that's, hope's what gets you going, what keeps you going, all right? Because without it, you're, not, you're just going to go back to survival mode. I'm just going to live and survive, live and survive. I'll, just, I'll die old, but I'll just live and survive instead of fulfilling the dreams of your heart and fulfilling the call that God's got on your life. But listen, hope is a good thing, and faith will give substance to your hope. All right, I've said hope about a hundred times there, but I did it on purpose. What are you hoping for? All right, we're talking about faith. What are you hoping for? All right, how how far do you want to go with that dream? Is that what you're hoping for? Then your faith in God leading you in that direction is going to bring substance to what you're hoping for. All right, God has given us the promises of him in in his word that they may give substance to to your hopes. Faith. That's what faith is. Faith. Right? And we're talking about faith, guys. We're talking about faith. I, I just wanted to throw that in here because don't lose sight of hope. What, and remember, what are you hoping for? What do you ask? When, when you hear people say they're believing God for something, that's what they're doing. They're hoping for it. They're hoping. And they're, and they're standing in faith for it to manifest. See, they can see the answer even though it hasn't manifested yet because they have faith in God. They know. Right? Amen. Now, let me, let me show you something. Job. Yeah, we're going to go look at Job. Here, I got it right here. We're going to look at Job 22, verse 28. Now, and I'm going to close with this. I'm going to show you this. This is so, this is so cool. And we're going to Job, talking about faith. But verse 28, it says, Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Now, I love what the Christian Standard Translation says. It says, when you make a decision, decree a thing, and it will be established unto you. We're talking about faith now. We're talking about faith. Now, who's going to make that? This is so important. Now, who's going to make that decision? Who's going to make that decision? You are. You. 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 you, you. All of you. You. Guys, there's so many people living their life in fear and just unbelief and just low self-esteem and feeling like they can't accomplish anything that they can't even make a decision in their life. Guys, if you can't make a decision in your life, listen, that's not a good place. The Word says, you decide. You decide. How far do you want to go with that dream? You decide. You decide. You decree it, and it will be established unto you. By faith. By faith, right? God's not going to make the decision for you. This is the thing. It's where everybody gets to. They can't make the decision to take that step. To, God's not going to make it, right? Now, he's going to help you, right? He gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to comfort us. He's going to be right there for it. but you've got to decide. Just like you got to speak to the mountain. Jesus can't speak to that mountain for you. You have to speak it. The words have to come out of your mouth, right? The same thing here. You have to decide, and you have to decree, right? No one's going to no decide for you, and no one can decree for you, right? Don't... Don't come, and listen, you guys know I love you and I help you any way I can, but I can't make your decisions for you. I can't do that. Your, your boss can't make their decisions for you. If you're an adult, your, your parents, they can help you. Your parents can't make the decision for you. Ultimately, they have to make the decision. You can see, when you, of course, I understand this, but learning this, you can see how important it is to raise your children at such a young age in the things of faith and understanding it. They get these principles at a young age, and it's easy for them to, to walk into what God's got for them. That's why I love how well our kids, our teenagers, you know, they're not perfect. They, they understood these principles, and they were able to walk right on out and go straight to Tulsa and Bible College. And we didn't pay for that, guys. They went out there, and they worked hard, and they worked full-time and paid for their school all by faith. They've done mission trips. Anna went to, Austin's on his way to Zambia. He's in Zambia. Anna went to Peru. And she didn't have, it was what, $4,000, I think. And she didn't have it, the money. We didn't have the money to send her. I told her, I said, well, God, I said, I will agree with you in faith that that money will come when it's time. She started praying. She started believing. And guess what? When it was time to come, the money was there. The money was there. Because God knew that he had something for her to do there. Right? He made a way. He made a way. She made a decision, she decreed it, and it was established unto you. So we're talking about faith. If you don't decide something and you don't decree it, then there's nothing to be established to you. All right? See, so I love what Mark Hankin says. You've got to you really consider the words you speak. To live, he, he says this, to live your life, and he's a great faith teacher, but to live your life... Without any consideration for the words that come out of your mouth, is like driving a car without even giving the steering wheel any consideration at all. It don't work. It don't work. Guys, think about what you're saying. What are you speaking over yourself? What are you speaking over your family? What are you speaking over your work? What are you speaking? Think about your words. It's so very, very, very important. Now, now listen, there's so many people that live in, in a rut, and they, they can't make a decision. If you can't start with a decision, you're never, ever going to get out of the rut that you're in. All right? You've got to be in a place in your life where you can confidently have faith in God and know that, know that He's leading you, guys. Know that He's leading you. There's so many people that walk around this earth and they can't even accept the Word of God just by faith. Just by faith. They would, I have a good friend and he would rather debate and argue and just, he just wants to sit around and tear Scripture apart. And I told him. I said, Kevin, why can't you just, why can't you just accept it by Word? By by faith. You know, do you really think God would make this hard? He he, he clearly says He wants the best for us. Why would He make it hard? But yet we have an enemy on the other side that's trying to deceive and make everything complicated and confusing. Now, I'm not saying don't study and rightly divide the Word of God, but don't get so caught up to where you can't just accept it by faith. This guy is so miserable because he can't accept things by faith. And the truth is, we'll never fully, completely understand this. I don't care how many degrees you have until we stand before God Himself. But we, with his, with, by faith in Him and knowing His leading, I can teach it to you. Right? Amen? That's very, very important. Very important. All right, so you've got to make a decision. You've got to decree something. Watch, I'm getting somewhere with this. I promise you. I I'm going somewhere. Look with me at Mark 5. We're going to look at 25 through 26. Mark 5, 25 through 26. All right. I guess it would help to get in Mark and not Matthew. Uh, I knew that wasn't right. Here we go. Mark 5, 25 through 26. Now, most of you know this story. And I love this story. Here I go again. I can read Scripture and get excited. But, you know, you've got to remember, this is, just, this, is a, this is a story about the woman with the issue of blood. All right, and there's been a lot of sermons taught on this. A lot of good faith tidbits here, but I'm going to give you another perspective on this because I love this woman because, man, she was a fighter. She was a fighter, and I love that, you know. But look at verse 25 and 26. It says, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered but grew Rather grew worse. All right. Now, the thing I love, she never lost hope. Number one, she's sick for 12 years. It's bad enough to be sick, but be sick for 12 years, that's a long time. But she, did, she never lost hope and she never gave up. How do I know that? Because it tells us right here that, that, that for 12 years, she suffered many things of many physicians. She went to a lot of doctors, folks. She was probably down to the experimental treatments. She was doing anything impossible to get rid of this problem, to get rid of this issue. She was going after it. And to top it all off, and it says, and spent all that she had. Now, she's sick, and it's bad enough to be sick. But now, if you're going to be sick and broke, that's a pretty miserable life. And this is where she was, but she didn't give up. She did, guys, you got to get this. She did not give up. Now, on a side note, what that tells me, I've got to take a rabbit trail here, but it what tells me that if she's been sick for 12 years, and then after 12 years, she goes after Jesus, and then she gets healed, glory to God, that tells me that I don't care how long something has been pestering you, I don't care how long something has been on the back burner just hounding you, glory to God, when Jesus gets on the scene, when he gets involved, things change. That should encourage you. Encourage you. Listen, that's why you need to be a fighter. Don't you give up. Don't you give up. It may t- I can't tell you how long it may take for you to get the harvest, but you stay after it. You stay after it. You don't give up. Amen. Now, watch this. We're talking about faith. Now, what happened to this woman here? What happened right here? All right? She was, had the issue with blood, but verse 27 says, when she had heard of Jesus. All right? So she's sick. She's tried everything. What happened? She heard of Jesus. All right, this is important. She heard of Jesus. What would she hear? Acts 10.38 tells us. She heard how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. Now, she heard that, and she heard this, and what did she do? She made a decision. She made a decision. Verse 28, she said, if I may touch but his clothes. She decreed it. She heard it about him, Jesus. She didn't give up. She, had, she heard about him. She made a decision, and then she decreed it. Glory to God. And you know the rest of the story. In verse 38, Jesus says, who touched my clothes? And she said, it was me. And he says, daughter, my faith, thy faith has made me whole. She des- de- made the decision. She decreed it. And it was established under her glory to God. Listen, what she was saying, that was faith talking. She couldn't see it, but that was faith talking. Right? What she was decreeing, that was faith talking. And it was that faith that gave substance to what she was hoping for. Woo, that's good. That's good, guys. That is really, really good. You decide, and then you decree it, and it will be established to you. What are you speaking to your mouth? What do you, let me call the band. I'm up. What are you saying? What are you speaking to the mountains? What's the words coming out of your mouth? Huh? You have to speak it. You have to make, decide. You have to decree it. And it will be established by faith. Faith in what? Faith in God. In His Word. Guys, this was... I've told you many times, this is, this is your operations manual. Operations manual. Look, mine even says faith right there. Operations manual. Actually, you guys gave me that last year at Pastor's Appreciation. But this is your operations manual for your life. Those promises in there, that word is for you. And it's so very, very important. So very important. Now, before I pray, I want to close out and, and remind everybody about next Sunday. We're talking about faith. Next Sunday is Reach Sunday.